0: Welcome back to Let's Get Haunted with
1: your host, Nat Strawn
0: and Allie. Welcome back, guys, to our fourth quarantine episode or episode number 38.
1: Yeah, both are correct.
0: Yes, both are correct. We can give you more numbers if you want. This is the second episode of...
1: uh, I don't know second episode of what this is the second episode of the rest of our lives
0: yes (laughs) that's right you know what I did today I made a Poshmark finally I always see people like posting about how they're selling stuff on Poshmark yeah and I finally did it today nice I haven't posted anything yet but I'm trying to Marie Kondo my closet because you know your episode about cannibalism really got me thinking about Marie Kondoing a shipwreck and I was like how can I incorporate this into my everyday life and so I'm gonna Marie Kondo my closet.
1: Why is this podcast that's like a literal shit post actually the best (laughs) influence on a lot of people?
0: i know i'm so uh, you know what somebody tagged us on instagram in a story and she's like a I, I didn't look too much into it but i think she's like a fitness and lifestyle like healthy lifestyle guru and she posted like Oh, I was cooking and um, I decided to listen to this podcast and it was our podcast and I was like what people who live healthy lifestyles are listening to us?
1: Well, it makes sense because they need just like simulated haunted, right? Like if you're super not haunted, then this is probably all super interesting to you because you're like what people have that happen to them?
0: Hmm. right like wait this this girl went negative a thousand dollars and then the other one thought she had coronavirus like wow this makes me feel so much better about my own life
1: right they're like wow they think that like changing a tire on their car is like a whole topic of conversation Like, they think that's the equivalent (laughs) to winning an award?
0: Uh, This girl got scammed out of a wedding and then (laughs) had someone break into her parents' house? Like, what? (laughs) No way.
1: Right. We really do be living, though.
0: We do. We do. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, then you haven't listened to every single episode. What are you doing? Go back. Listen from the beginning. Because we talk about our shit show of a life very
1: often on here. Honestly, we are on the come up. Like... If you, if someone was to make a timeline of our lives, first of all, (laughs) don't ever fucking show that shit to us. That will send me into a depressive spiral immediately, but (laughs) it would definitely be like an upward trend, right? Like somewhere around the start would be like, oh, we all like lost sugar pine seven and started something (laughs) new. And then it like just starts going up and up and up until our first ad read
0: yeah exactly you know thank you you're like i said last episode i admire your positivity as of late (laughs) (laughs) really you know natalia and i went to a concert one time you guys in 2015 i think when we were living together and we came up with a bunch of like slogans that year including let's get haunted right or and but one of them was started from the bottom
1: Still at the bottom, I believe. Started at the bottom somewhere in the middle, like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Started yeah. from
0: the bottom, now there's beer. Right. Started from the bottom, still at the bottom. Started yeah. from the bottom, now we're somewhere in the middle. And you know what? I I think yeah, now we're some we're truly somewhere in the middle now.
1: One of the greatest slogans we came up with from that time, other than Let's Get Haunted. Is now my permanent Wi-Fi uh, name for the rest of my life. It's paranormal ratchetivity
0: Yes, that was the best. We and we were. I don't even know if you remember this. We had like a little girl group of like five girls or something. Yeah. And we were gonna make these jean jackets that said paranormal rat. No, no, it wasn't jean jackets. It was uh, Letterman's jackets. Yeah, satin oh, yeah. bombers. Yeah. And I think yeah. we
1: still totally could like, you know, what would be really cool is if we, okay, you guys, I just had a great idea and you need to fund this because I'm a creative person and I need you guys to do this. We should make satin bombers and on the back, they say, let's get haunted. And then we can have a little patch so on the shoulder. That's like paranormal ratchettivity.
0: That is adorable. If you guys would wear that, let us know in the SoundCloud comments or tweeted us or leave a comment on our Instagram, because this could finally be the thing that makes us make these. I've wanted these for how many years now? Five years now. I've
1: wanted it forever. The thing that sucks about making clothing merch is that everyone's different sizes. So what we got to do is just make it like super oversized unisex so that everyone just like has the same size. That's a good idea. Like yeah. a size
0: large unisex. Right. Like if you're really yeah.
1: petite, then it's going to be baggy. If you're really big, it'll be like a, you know, like a short crop bomber type situation. But just rock that actually it.
0: sounds really <laughs> cute. All of those things you've just described sound really cute. I'm super into the idea of a cropped form fitting bomber bomber and I'm super into the idea of a super long bomber that I can just
1: wear tights with right it's versatile all you have to do is change yourself if you want (laughs) like if you want it to fit oversized (laughs) then figure it out and if you want it to be a crop top figure it out you either gotta hit the gym or you gotta go you know drop yourself off in the desert and without any food or water and figure out how to get back Okay, here's what
0: I'm going to do. I'm going to buy Spanx is what I'm (laughs) going to do. (laughs) And then that solves everything. I'm going to get a corset and Spanx when I want it to be oversized and then I'm gonna let my quarantine body fly when I right. want it to be um tight and form-fitting
1: actually I went for a run today and as I was running I was thinking like you know what would be like a suit okay so in LA there's you're surrounded by like these boot camp type classes there's a really famous one called Barry's Boot Camp in West Hollywood and it's basically like they're just an asshole to you and they're like get on you do push-ups and like <laughs> get on the fucking treadmill you piece of shit and like people live for it because it like, I would makes them literally work out. never do that I appreciate that people like it But I would never. I had like a get rich quick scheme, you know, my like obsession with finding gold. I was thinking like, what if I had my own workout regime
0: regimen? I should
1: call it a workout regime instead of a regimen. And what I do is I just put you in a van and I drive you to an undisclosed location. Right. With only a big camelback full of water and then like some protein bars, a compass. And I'm like, okay, you have 70 two hours to get to the next location if you don't figure it out hit this beacon and we'll come find you but otherwise bitch you're on a three-day fast and you're gonna be trying to get wherever the fuck you think you need to go
0: you know what i i like (laughs) this because it sounds like you're combining the amazing race with kidnapping and i love that
1: and self-transformation
0: Yeah, like <laughs> Jillian Michaels like screaming at people and then she's like, look, right. they lost all this weight. But then like she's just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I honestly think if I were to market that, like, super luxury type thing, like, if I was like, oh, it's $10,000 and it's, like, this experience and, like, when you finish it, like, you're going to be in, like, a higher realm of, like, whatever the fuck. Like, people in L.A. would totally eat that up.
0: Oh, yeah. Beverly Hills moms need some excitement in their lives. (laughs) They would pay ten grand to get kidnapped. I guarantee it.
1: They'd never shut up
0: about it. They'd finally have an interesting story to tell. Whatever it is that Beverly Hills moms do, like go to mom groups. I don't What do they do? They,
1: you know, they do a lot of things that I wish I could do, which (laughs) is just like chill all day vibe. I think they just vibe. They just vibe. Like, I think they vibe. I think they they, like are super into vibing. (laughs) 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 They've made vibing a profession.
0: If only we could find a way to market our podcast to Beverly Hills moms. Maybe we could say like, you know, we know you're vibing all day. Do you want to have some bad vibes for a change? <laughs> like listen I to like our that. podcast.
1: You know, I think you could shorten that. I think you could shorten that question to like, if only we could figure out how to market our podcast. Period. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you know those? Okay. I had. An, I have another merch idea. You know those? Uh, bl- like shirts that uh, people wore in the '90s that said "Got Milk." It was like a black yeah. shirt with white script. Okay. Got bad vibes. Got haunted. Get like haunted. That. Come on. No, we're There's definitely be something like, in there. We're on to something.
1: Here's the thing. We're both ideas, mans. You know what I mean? Like we've got a lot of ideas and that's not the problem. We need someone. I need someone who can hear this idea for a jacket and then be like, okay, here's the jackets.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, we both have a lot of ideas and I, well, I'll speak for myself. You're very artistic. I have a lot of ideas and no skill to execute them. That's my problem.
1: What if we just take out the middleman and we just do the execution ourselves? So we both are the ideas man and the executioners.
0: I want to execution some people for sure. Oh, ideas! Yeah, I mean, I want to. I want to (laughs) execute. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let Let's hold on. Let's go back. No, no. I just simple. I simply
1: misspoke. (laughs) That was a Freudian (laughs) slip. I think you guys.
0: Um, You know what I haven't been able to stop thinking about, speaking of getting rich quick, is hugging a pecong in order to make money. I haven't been able to stop thinking about that concept.
1: That video footage of that, like, sheet man just... Jumping around, and then at one point, jump straight up into the sky, like he's Superman, like, just like right.
0: blasting off, like Jimmy Neutron, just into yeah. the ozone. There absurd. are a
1: few things from this podcast which I don't understand why, like certain things stick in my head and certain things don't. One of them is the seven thousand year old town. <laughs> And one of them is 100% that whatever the fuck that was, that thing just going straight up into the sky.
0: Yeah, I think you. it know was what? just so
1: unexpected. Also, the all those mice being like rocket shipped like up into this yes. into the outer atmosphere. Oh, my
0: gosh. I really, really want you had this idea, Natalia, last year for a merch Uh, idea a shirt that had all of the space dogs on it i would wear the fuck out of that shirt
1: i know i want it to look like somebody's in memory of portrait tattoo Mm -hmm. like i want it to be like super scripty font r.i.p and then it has just like a beautiful airbrushed portrait of all of these different animals wearing little astronaut helmets
0: i would wear the fuck out of that you guys i would too i have two questions i have two questions for the audience one Which of these merch ideas would you wear? (laughs) And is the answer all of them? It's all of them. Second of all, what is like something from our podcast that's stuck in your brains? Like Mm -hmm. Natalia with the 7,000-year-old town. I think that would be super interesting to just compile a list of the most random shit that's been stuck in people's minds from our podcast.
1: Things that you just like don't understand why you can't forget.
0: Yeah. Like I constantly think about you in the LA River looking for diamond (laughs) rings. And then I also think about hugging
1: the pekong.
0: Those are yeah. two things that I think about from time to time now.
1: Yeah, like hugging a pecong is a whole thing. Like free pecong hugs. <laughs>
0: those those guys that wear shirts that say free hugs because they're right. per- secret secret perverts. Right. And then, but it's just a peca- maybe. But the pacangs are perverts. <laughs>
1: Instead of uh, save a horse, ride a pacang. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: So stupid. The Pekong, wait, that's so funny because the pecan is just jumping 50 yeah. meters at a time and you're just on its shoulder. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it too. Yeah. Well, Natalia, do you have a story to tell me today?
1: So I do have a story and okay. this story is going to be one that makes or breaks because... As everyone who listens to the podcast knows, you know, Natalia's stories are just kind of (laughs) like things that I thought were interesting. And this is something that I think will interest a lot of people um, or trigger a lot of people or hopefully both. I don't know. So... Alyssa I have some questions for you or you know what I'll I'll first of all start off with where this idea for the story comes from um for anyone who hasn't listened to this podcast before Alyssa has no idea what I'm going to tell her and you guys know what I'm going to tell her because you can read the title of what the podcast Mm -hmm. is now but she has no idea so just keep that in mind while we're going through this Correct. I have literally no idea So as people might know or might not know, I recently bought a retired racehorse and have been retraining him to just be my like horse that I'm gonna like do stuff with, right? So it's got me really interested in his past and his lineage, because I think it's Ooh. really cool that, you know, he comes from this background where he raced. So he has a tattoo on his upper lip. All racehorses have it if you flip their lip up and you can type in that tattoo number. It's like a set of numbers on a website and then they'll pull up all of the information about your horse. You can look at all of his bloodlines. You can see videos of him racing. You can like pull up all of his stats and stuff. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so to me, that's really, really cool. So obviously as soon as i got him i got that little tattoo wrote it down i went to the website it's called equibase.com i put in his numbers and there's also like american jockey whatever but they're not sponsoring us so fuck them and (laughs) i like was looking at his lineage it's a five degree pedigree so it shows like five generations there's a few of the names that were like real familiar you know like i was like wait Uh a second what's going on here and He's got a lot of inbreeding in his past. And so that is not 100% unfamiliar with like any sort of animal breeding. Yeah, purebreds are often inbred. Exactly, you want to breed in certain characteristics. So, like Seattle Slew, is a famous racehorse. Sea same famous racehorse. Uh, Secretariat's a famous racehorse. And so then they, after they retire, they sell their like sperm and they make a bunch of other racehorses. And then people are like, "This is a horse that's out of Secretariat." So you get all these horses, and then they're like, "Okay, let's blend all those together." So, my horse has a five cases of inbreeding in his past. So there's five names that overlap. And sometimes, you know, I I watched this video today of him racing. And he was fucking awesome. He beat all these other horses by like uh, 14 furlongs, which is like a fuck ton. And it was really cool. And I was like, wow, this is so cool that he has this background. But I was also thinking about it. And it was like, you know, thoroughbreds are known for having a lot of health issues too. Mm-hmm. So like I got his shoes done for the first time a few days ago. They put horseshoes on him. And And the farrier, which is the guy that does horse shows, was looking at his feet. And he was like, oh, he's got a club foot. And I was like, what? You know, what do you mean he's got a club foot? And looked at him and like, sure enough, one of his feet is like kind of way bigger than the other one. I never noticed it. I don't care either because I'm like, I love him. He's my best friend now. Yeah, of course. I just kind of got me like thinking about that in general and just breeding and mixing together genes and stuff. And as I was thinking about that, this woman riding a mule went by me. And I was like, that's cool. Do you know what a mule is? Yeah,
0: it's like a sterile. It's a cross between a donkey and a horse. And it's sterile, right? right
1: exactly so a mule is a mix of a male donkey and a female horse and then because horses and donkeys are just entirely different species they have a different number of chromosomes so the mule will end up being sterile but the weird thing is that mules tend to be healthier sounder and they live longer than horses oh interesting yeah even though it's like this species that's not supposed to exist yeah um and the scientists say like maybe that's a result from hybrid vigor the genetic superiority of crossbred animals and i -hmm. i don't know that that got me really thinking about it and it was weird because i was like why i mean this is not a question you should answer or couldn't answer i don't know maybe if you want to whack at it you can but i got thinking and i was like okay why why wouldn't mules just be able to reproduce like if it's like a more genetic superior animal i don't know it's weird Mm -hmm. why does nature that's weird yeah yeah like why does nature reward some things that are seem to be not helpful and um prohibit things from happening that you know why why do some things get rewarded and some things don't basically you know
0: right yeah it's yeah. It's kind of like a liger, you know, like when you take a tiger and a lion and they have, it. I think that's sterile too. Right. Yeah. But you, but what you're saying about the mule being more sturdy, I didn't know that. I just would assume if something like isn't supposed to exist, it'd it be should, worse. It, yeah. It'd be worse or have a lot of health problems. So that's super interesting. I didn't know that.
1: It's super, yeah, it's super weird. And it, and it makes me think too, like, I don't know a whole lot about dogs, but I knew know that like a mutt dog is generally uh, healthier than a purebred mm. dog. They have less like hip problems and eye problems and they tend to live longer and just be sturdier in general and they can reproduce i know it's you know the same species but yeah it's just weird so the reason that these like horses and dogs and stuff get bred and super inbred and some of them you know have problems like the thoroughbreds usually have bad knees and feet and teeth and stuff like that and you know certain dogs like snub-nosed dogs is like bulldogs and things like that they don't live a very long time it's hard for them to breathe yeah um they they're they have a lot of health issues but why do you think do we do it then like why do we make this type of horse why do we make this type of dog why do we make these type of cat or like animal breeding in general what do you think it's for?
0: I don't know much about horses, obviously. I can only
1: speak to like dogs because I'm a dog owner. I feel
0: like most of the people I know that are really concerned about getting a purebred of any breed, it's for like fashion or show or like status symbol. It's never because like, like if you ask someone oh like why'd you get a pug oh it's so cute i had to get the purebred pug because it's just like it's so cute and like i just love its little face you know what i mean it's like very superficial it's a
1: super specific look Yeah, or I mean, I feel like with small dogs, it's usually a super specific look. But then sometimes with bigger dogs, it can be like an obsession of like, oh, yeah, I wanted this perfect German Shepherd because I want him to be able to be trained to do this. Or I wanted this um, collie because I want them to be able to jump super high and like working dogs and do this stuff too. Oh,
0: sure, yeah. Things Mm -hmm. like
1: that also. But I do agree, it is definitely like a status thing.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a status symbol. Like people that have purebred Dobermans, there's so many celebrities that have those. And it's like, it's for looks. It's Mm -hmm. like because it looks cool in like a picture of you holding a Doberman. Like it looks high fashion.
1: I know. They're so sexy. Like why are they so ripped? (laughs) And their skin is so smooth and shiny. Like their hair like is all going one direction. (laughs)
0: You guys, if if you haven't listened to every single episode, which shame on you, you should have. You should know that Natalia is weirdly sexually obsessed with the idea of cryptids, and we think that stems from her obsession with animals. So that's why she's describing a Doberman as being ripped because she would fuck Anubis,
1: which is <laughs> like that's the true. god. Yeah, right. the god
0: that has like the Doberman-looking head.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, you would absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's a pure. That's a pedigree right there. I don't know. I look yeah. at my dog, and I'm like, my dog's such a. Piece of shit compared to that though. <laughs> <No. laughs> okay, so going along with this idea of inbreeding and breeding and pedigree and status. What I'm going to talk to you today about, Alyssa, can you take a guess? Um,
0: Is it about breeding a breeding magical creatures?
1: Could be, could be. Am I, cl- am I getting close? Am Have, I warm or am I cold? I am going to talk to you today about the debilitating cost of rampant decades-long incest among Europe's most powerful royal families.
0: Oh, shit. Oh, this is going to be so interesting. Like, <laughs> like when people, like, they can't stop bleeding or whatever. Like, you cut them and they just, like, they can't clot because of the inbreeding. There was someone in European history that had that problem.
1: Have you ever heard of the House of Habsburg?
0: No, House of Habsburg. No, I have not.
1: Alternatively spelled sometimes Habsburg. In English? No. Not ringing any bells? Habsburg, no. Well, you are in for a real treat. In fact, everyone's in for a real treat today because I took some time to make (laughs) something good. Hell yeah. The House of Habsburg, alternatively spelled Habsburg in English, also officially called the House of Austria, was one of the most influential and distinguished royal houses of Europe. The throne of the Holy Roman Empire was continuously occupied by the Habsburg from 1438 until their extension in the male lines in 1740. But, Alyssa, there was something very different, or should I say the same, about the members in the House of Habsburg. Dot, dot, dot. Were they fucking each other? Let's get a bit of background. <laughs> The time is the ninth century, which actually means any year that starts with eight, which is really fucking stupid, but let's not dwell on it. <laughs> Do you know what was happening in the ninth century, Alyssa? No.
0: I'm going to tell you right now. No.
1: <laughs> Here are some notable things that happened in the ninth century. And I want everyone, as I'm saying, these notable things that happened in the ninth century to just really get a feel for what it was like to be living in that ninth century. All right. So. The field of algebra was founded by the Muslim polymath Al-Khwarizmi. The Edo people of what is now southeastern Nigeria developed bronze casts of humans, animals, and legendary creatures. These bronzes were used as vessels, amulets, amulets. pendants, and sacrificial tools. No. <laughs> okay. What I
0: what am I saying? Amulet and you're, it's amulet? It's amulet. Yeah, you're pronouncing it like omelet. Yeah but it's but I don't it's, like omelets. <laughs> okay
1: well it's you know what it's your prerogative okay so an omelet okay so you, you make a base of egg you make like a tortilla egg and then you put shit in it and then you flip it over right okay uh-huh so it's like an egg pouch holding things and an omelet is like a little like token pouch thing that's hold stuff too right right so there you go all omelet. right
0: well can't you know can't debate with that
1: Britain experienced a great <laughs> influx of Viking people in the 9th century as the Viking Age continued from the previous century. This was achieved through a huge military force known as, wait for it, the Great Heathen Army, which was supposedly led by Ivar the Boneless, Halfdan Ragnarsson, and Guthrum. Extensive That's raids rum. were carried. <laughs> yeah. Ivor the boneless didn't get your attention <laughs> well it did but I was I was kind
0: of disinterested because I'm thinking boneless like that doesn't sounds like spineless or like no boner I don't know it doesn't sound like scary to me
1: but it also could be like is he like a silver surfer like what's his yeah. deal
0: <laughs> yeah is he
1: morphing extensive raids were carried out all along the coast and eventually permanent settlements were established such as that of Dublin in 841. Art in the ninth century was primarily dedicated to the gospel and employed basic tools of liturgy of the Roman Orthodox Church. So thousands of golden art objects were made. Golden art objects, Alyssa. Sacred cups, vessels, crucifixes, rosaries, altar pieces, and statue of the Virgin and the Child or Saints. And architecture... Had also revived by the ninth century, taking the form of church facilities and the first castle fortifications since Roman times. Specifically, something called a moat and bailey castle, a strong point tower structure with little refinement. Beowulf might have been written down in this century. Ooh, I know, yeah, Beowulf. I read that. And Buddhism is persecuted and banned in China in the middle of the century in 845. Also, positive thing to end on here: chess reaches Japan. Ooh. The first settlers of the Hawaiian Islands arrive. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Itza culture starts in Mesoamerica. Cool. The medieval warm period begins, which is better than the cold ice thing that happened before.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was like an expression, but so literally, like, literally it was a period of warmth?
1: Yeah, there was like a mini ice age that happened right before the medieval warm period. Oh, how interesting. The C, a a new type of lyric poetry with irregular lines, is set to a melody during the Tang dynasty. And December 25th, Christmas, as you might know, Charlemagne, King of Franks, is crowned by Pope Leo III as Charles I with the title Emperor of the Franks and Lombards. The coronation takes place during Mass at the Basilica of St. Peter in Rome on Christmas Day.
0: Well, this sounds like a pretty important century.
1: One last thing. The Osberg ship is buried. Do you know what the Osberg ship is? No. It's a super well preserved Viking ship that was discovered in a large burial mound at the Osberg farm in Norway. And it's known to be among the finer artifacts to have survived from the Viking era. And I'm going to show you a picture of it. See that?
0: Oh, wait, where is that kept? Norway. Norway. Oh, interesting. Isn't that cool? That looks super cool. That looks, you know what it looks like? Um,. The tip of this ship looks like Tim Burton's Nightmare Before Christmas Hill, yeah. the one that Jack Skellington stands yeah. on, which is a look. And it also looks like a very stereotypical like Viking, which I, I enjoy.
1: Right. It's like serving stereotypical Viking looks. But if you think about the ninth century, what it was like to live there, like when I hear all of that stuff, I think like, OK, so basically the ninth century was just a bunch of shit we take for granted, right? Like algebra and bowls right and chess and, like, not getting murdered, raped, and tortured and or sold into slavery by randoms.
0: Right. Oh, I'm sure there was still some of that going on. But, yeah, but you're right. Seems like there's a lot of... Um breakthrough happening like cultural breakthrough happening Mm -hmm. other than you're saying like buddhists were being killed in china right so that's not good either but But it sounds like a lot of strides in science yes a lot of strides in
1: science Mm -hmm. but it just has to make you realize like it was a hard time to be alive when the some of the breakthroughs are like a bowl (laughs) you know yeah 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 for sure um okay so do you remember what the holy roman empire is yes you do do would you like to explain what you think happened
0: uh it was like the uh well it was in italy in rome (laughs) and the uh empire emperor had a empire and they had a lot of wars are you just making this up right now (laughs) and then there was the spartans and troy and bad brad pitt's butt came no. on the screen, right? and then they kicked someone down a well.
1: Oh, there's also, like, a big wooden horse?
0: Yeah, and the, and Helen, who wasn't even that hot, allegedly, <laughs> but, like, I guess was good at blowjobs because <laughs> everyone was fighting over her, and... <laughs>
1: <laughs> right a woman who's good at blowjobs starts majority of wars
0: you can quote us on that okay so basically
1: since Alyssa did such a good job i don't even need to like really read you guys what the holy roman empire <laughs> Thank is You, Natalia. yeah but i'll give you a really short just kind of like a simplified version so the roman empire was this huge successful powerful empire mm-hmm. so after rome fell all of what we would consider Europe, that all just kind of fell into disarray because now they have what used to be like this United Kingdom of under Rome, I say United in quotations, and it's just kind of there for the taking. So what is in now modern day Germany, uh, there used to be a bunch of tribes, a very powerful warrior type people who were mm. really good at fighting, like really, really good at fighting, but they weren't really good at much else other than conquering and these like ancient Germans I I don't even want to say Germans because they're not they're like French Germans. um, They call them the Gauls, basically. They come down, and they're super, super good at fighting. And they try to take over what power is left behind from the fall of the Roman Empire. And one of those warriors was this guy named Charlemagne, who was really, really good at fighting. So much so that he actually ended up uniting most of what he conquered. And he made a really powerful political alliance with the pope that crowned him the emperor of the Romans, even though Charlemagne wasn't Roman, and it wasn't out of Rome but he had this alliance with the Pope. So it kind of seems like a lot of hoops to jump through for some tribes, you know, like why do you think Charlemagne did that? Why did he need to amass more? Why do we always need more as humans? You know, if you're like chilling with your family and like tribe and you're like, this is cool. What is it that sparks in your mind where you're like, well, what if I went and fucking took everything from everyone else and, and made it mine, you know? right it's, so it's megalomania
0: it's like once you get a taste of power some people can't handle that and they just keep wanting more and more it's like people who keep wanting more and more money or more and more fame or more and more anything
1: like any vice you can think of too much power is a drug yeah you know that's like a very different way to look at it okay so I to simplify my own life I always try to separate things into like two categories like love and fear right like I try to ask myself mm-hmm. am I making a decision based off of that that I love this outcome and I want to do whatever it is that I'm doing or am I making this decision based off of the fear of a different outcome you know like for example am i you know wanting to start dating someone because i love them and care about them or am i wanting to date someone because i'm afraid of being alone those are two very different reasons to do something with the same outcome but um so i think of like this this what you're calling megalomania like the powerful lust or whatever i think it's coming from like this fear of loss because if we have more the less likely we are to lose all of it right you know? Yeah, like if
0: you have 27 countries and you lose three, it's not as big of a deal as if you had three countries and lose two.
1: Yeah, I think like as humans, we are trying to prevent ourselves from losing things that we've gained. Basically, when we broaden the scope of time and we look back at history, instability always predates death destruction and loss and no human wants Mm -hmm. to experience those things death destruction and loss it's a fear of experiencing those things like we've Maybe when you were a little kid, you, you know, your pet died and then you're like, that was too painful. I never want to feel that again. So maybe you never get a pet again or you have this fear of death from there or, you know, destruction happens. It's like you built this sandcastle wave comes and takes it away. Well, you're like, I'm never going to fucking build a sandcastle there again. I'm going to make it really safe up on top of the hill Um, and loss in general. Like if you've ever like lost something of your favorite, like lost your favorite stuffed animal or a book or a purse or something you worked hard to get you're more careful with your things in the future because you lost something one time, you know? Got it, yeah. So the majority of the people will do anything to avoid death, destruction, and the feelings of loss. And keeping power is tough. So in this period where you have... Uh, so much death and destruction and loss happening I mean people are like they made a bowl let's write that down (laughs) what do you think is the solution to keeping power when you have these like tribes and different militaries coming in all of the time and trying to take what it is that you have made for yourself what can you do to keep that power well Um, From playing The Sims
0: a lot this quarantine, I can tell you that on the version of The Sims where you can go to outer space. uh, So (laughs) there's a scenario in which your Sim goes to outer space and discovers a planet of very tiny aliens. And you are the supreme overlord. Mm. And it gives you two options for how to keep them in line. And you have to choose these options and. Either path can end up with you still being the supreme leader, but they're very different. So the first path is instilling fear mm. and making people feel like they need you. Right. The second path is being like a benevolent leader who like gives people things and makes people love them. And I can tell you from playing this game way too often, the easier one is instilling fear. Both of these paths in the Sims will, can still end up with you being the supreme leader of, of this alien race, but it's a lot harder to do it when you're when you choose the benevolent path.
1: Right, because instilling fear is like we're almost we've talked about this before too, like negativity yeah. bias. Like instilling fear is so much easier than trying to cultivate trust with someone because oh, ins- totally instilling fear is like if you don't do what I say, like you're dead. Where like cultivating trust is like. Hey, I just want you to know that like everything's cool with us. And like like yeah. it just takes too long, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like um when I don't know. It's like well, hey, I really want you to do this, and let me explain why. And this is actually going to be better for you because of X, Y, and Z. That takes so much longer and is so much more nuanced and harder than, and takes so much more education and patience than just being like, look, if you don't do this, I'm gonna like hit you over the head with this ruler, <laughs> like you know, with kids. Like with kids, you can either it's two styles of parenting. You can either like use corporal punishment or you can like take the time to explain. Yeah. Right. I'm going to beat the shit out of my kids
1: for no reason. Well,
0: there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Just because,
1: uh, what you said is perfect, right? Like the way to keep power is to make relationships with everyone. And the relationship Mm -hmm. that you're talking about is a fear based relationship. So, if nobody is fighting there's no war there's no death there's no destruction or loss so the solution is having stable relationships and what type of relationship do you think is the most stable and strongest of those of these four options friendship business partnership romantic relationship or blood-related relative
0: blood-related relative Uh aha that's what i think
1: yeah right
0: Because you can't like when you're dating someone or you're friends with someone or you have a business partnership, if things go sour, you can always just like cut that off. But if it's your family, you're more prone to like, love each other no matter what because you can't get rid of your family
1: i know i know it's like if you have a friend that's like shitty and you know steals stuff from you and like gets drunk and goes to jail and you have to bail them out you're like nah, we're probably not going to be friends anymore same with a business right. partnership you're like this person's not great to do business with if it's a romantic relationship you're like uh yeah you're probably not you know this probably is not going to last too long but if it's a blood related relative you're just like What's up, uncle? Like, I'll be there. (laughs) Like Yeah. So now back to the house of Habsburg. This house also produced the kings of Bohemia, Hungary, Croatia, Galicia, Portugal, and Spain with their respective colonies, as well as the rulers of several principalities in the Netherlands and Italy. From the 16th century following the reign of Charles V, the dynasty was split between its Austrian and Spanish branches. Although they ruled distinct territories, they nevertheless maintained close relations and frequently intermarried. Ooh. So, so there's going to be some fucked up people coming up. So that might also
0: explain why some of these people were so obsessed with power. They couldn't really think about anything else because their chromosomes were off. <laughs> Like they didn't have the capability for empathy. Wow. They're missing that chunk of their brain. You know, this is just an idea I'm having. I don't know. I could be wrong. I don't know what the story is about
1: yet. No, that sounds like facts. That sounds like science. (laughs) It sounds like, you know, the exact type of things that we don't need to think about before we say on this podcast (laughs) so while marriages between biological relatives were common in the ruling houses of europe well until the last century did you know queen elizabeth ii actually married her own third cousin no but i believe it (laughs) the (laughs) the spanish habsburgs (laughs) engaged in the practice with particularly dangerous abandon in fact Nine out of the 11 total marriages that occurred among them during the 184 years they ruled Spain from 1516 to 1700 were incestuous. In fact, modern researchers widely state that generations of inbreeding among the Spanish Habsburgs resulted in the infamous Habsburg jaw deformity and ultimately caused their own downfall due to- Wait, what's the jaw deformity? I'm going to tell you. So the Habsburg jaw is a condition marked by the protrusion of the lower jaw to the point that it's significantly larger than the upper jaw. And it creates an underbite, sometimes bad enough that it can interfere with your speech and make it difficult to fully close your mouth. I don't like that. So I know I don't like it either because I think I have that like, look. My jaw comes out further. I have this like pouty lip. Also, my I don't have an underbite, but my teeth sit like right on top of each other. So like I think like I ha- I'm like in danger of being inbred somewhere in there. I
0: don't think so because <laughs> your parents are from completely different sides of the world. If anything, that makes you genetically superior from what you're telling me. Then why do I have this fucked up jaw?
1: Well, I don't think it's fucked up. Due to incest, the family's genetic line progressively deteriorated until Charles II, the final male heir, was physically incapable of producing children, thus bringing an end to the Habsburg rule. But while the line was intact, this inbreeding caused the royal family to exhibit a number of peculiar physical traits. The one we talked about before was the Habsburg jaw, the most salient indicator of the family's inbreeding, The Habsburg jaw is what doctors refer to as mandibular prognathism. Super boring, right? Yeah, mandibular prognathism. Yeah, super boring. I don't understand why doctors do shit like that. Like, why can't they just be like, fucking ugly jaw? (laughs) Yeah, it's like scientists
0: that discover new species. Every once in a while, there'll be a scientist that has a good sense of humor and they come up with like a cute little name for stuff. But then there's also people that are just boring. Right. I know.
1: Yeah. So Charles II of Spain is who we're going to talk about the most um, because for one reason, he was known, Alyssa, as the Bewitched or El Hechizado. Hechizado. He was the last Habsburg ruler of the Spanish Empire, and he was best remembered for his alleged physical disabilities. He was nicknamed El Hechizado, which means the Hexed One. So he was... he was. You need to be more excited when I say he was the Bewitched or the Hexed One.
0: Yes, I am excited because does that mean that a witch, much like Sleeping Beauty as a child when she was born, and said, you will prick your finger on your 16th birthday... Was this man, El Hechizado, was he cursed in the same way by the same witch?
1: Mm-hmm. He could be. So the reason that people called him the Hexed One or the Bewitched is because they thought that he was under the influence of a magical curse. Ooh. Charles II of Spain had a lower jaw so pronounced that he struggled to eat and speak. In addition to his Habsburg jaw, the king was short, weak, Impotent, mentally handicapped, suffered numerous intestinal problems, and did not even speak until he was four years old. One French ambassador sent to scope out a prospective marriage wrote back that the Catholic king is so ugly as to cause fear. Oh my goodness! And he looks ill.
0: Dude, that's like every man the first time you don't wear makeup in front of them. And they're just like, oh, my God, are you sick? Are you OK? Like, are you dying? And it's like, no, bitch, I just don't have concealer on my unseemly bags.
1: Right. Like, can you imagine if someone told you you were so ugly, it, you caused fear in them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'd take it. When the first Spanish Habsburg ruler, Charles V, arrived in Spain in 1516, he couldn't fully close his mouth due to his Habsburg jaw. This re- no, I don't like that. This reportedly caused one very bold peasant to shout at him, Your Majesty, shut your mouth. The flies of this country are very <laughs> insolent. Yeah, I, th- I think if someone were making fun of something
0: I couldn't control, I would be pretty... Up, like bummed do you think he right? even
1: knew that they were making fun of him do you,
0: well what was wrong with him exactly so you're besides the jaw he also had he intestinal was, problems uh, Here's kind of
1: funny because like on this list of all of these things that seem somewhat medical the first one is short like as if that's a <laughs> handicap so it says the okay. king was short weak impotent mentally handicapped suffered numerous intestinal problems and did not even speak until he was four years old
0: how did they know he was impotent? Did he just keep trying to ma- have kids and couldn't, or like, did he yes. was he literally unable to get a boner? He, like, I don't. He understand- just
1: kept trying to have kids and he couldn't, and then oh, and he couldn't. Um, autopsies revealed that he just had one shrunken, atrophied testicle. Anyways,
0: super haunted. Thank God for sperm
1: donors now. Super haunted, right? Yeah, super haunted. So I'm gonna show you a picture of what he looks like. Obviously, this was a time before cameras so these are all like artist renditions but what's great about these artists is that they like didn't give a fuck they just like drew his fucked up face uh
0: <laughs> i love it i love that they didn't try you know what maybe they tried to make him look better and that's just how fucked up he looked well yeah look i'll show you oh oh um does he kind of look like lord farquaad he does. He, he absolutely looks like Lord Farquad. Wow. I wonder if he was the inspiration for Lord Farquad. We'll post this to the Instagram for anyone who wants to see what it looks like. But for the audio listeners, he has like short, I mean, picture Lord Farquad, <laughs> but he, with an underbite, like a very severe underbite. All of these artists renditions have the exact same like jaw really jutting out there. Um, top lip is behind the bottom lip um he kind of looks like a lady um in some of these oh there he has a mustache like very and his- pouty lips yeah very pouty lips and his eyes are looking opposite directions
1: <laughs> that might have been their first sign that like maybe he wasn't paying attention to them as his eyes were going opposite <laughs> fucking directions you know with inbreeding i feel like that's not uncommon right like a pug's eyes go different directions Oh, hey, you're right. I didn't even think about that. So, Charles, let's we're going to talk a little bit more in detail about him. Charles suffered ill health throughout his life, obviously. And from the moment he became king at the age of four in 1665, mind you, he didn't even Whoa. stop talking until he was four. The succession was a prominent consideration in European politics. So people were like, uh, what the fuck? There's like this mentally handicapped four-year-old that's supposed to be the king right now. Like, we can't have that. And historian John Langdon Davies summarized this as follows. Of no man, it was more true to say that in his beginning was his end. From the day of his birth, they were waiting for his death. So he was super unhealthy and the majority of people were like, oh yeah, he'll be king. Great. We'll see if he lives to be six years old, you know? Right, yeah. They just didn't think he was going to make it. I mean, it was hard enough so, to make it back then anyways and then you add on the fact that he's got all these severe like physical deformities.
0: Sure. And I'm I'm they probably were thinking too like, yeah, he's king like technically, but he's going to die soon so it doesn't really matter like that he's all messed up and we don't know if he's all there or not. Charles
1: was the only surviving son of Mariana of Austria and Philip of Spain. For political reasons, marriage between the Spanish and Austrian Habsburgs were common. Philip and Mariana were uncle and niece making Charles their great nephew and first cousin, respectively. All eight of his great grandparents were descendants of Joanna and Philip of Castile. Let's like break that down for a second. So his parents were uncle and niece. So what does that mean? His parents. I think it means that the dad's brother had a kid and then the brother married that kid. So it'd be like if my dad's brother's kid, I married them.
0: I think it would be like if your dad's brother married you. Ew. Yeah. Why did you have to bring me sure. into
1: it? It makes it too because weird. that's
0: because that's uncle and niece. You hey, you're the one that brought it up. Ew, Alyssa, you're gross. <laughs> Alyssa endorses
1: uh, uncle and niece relationship. That's exactly what I said. <laughs> The impact on Charles himself is unclear. His elder sister, Margaret Teresa, did not have the same issues of physical deformity that he had. And based on contemporary accounts of his symptoms, he may have suffered from combined pituitary hormone deficiency and distal renal tubular acidosis. Do you know, Alyssa, what uh, renal tubular acidosis is?
0: Well, renal has to do with the kidneys, Mm -hmm. right? So maybe something, acidosis, that sounds like acid. I don't know. Something that like can't get filtered out by the kidneys. So he's just like constantly in sepsis or has a bunch of bacteria floating around or toxic. I don't know. It's worse.
1: So RTA or renal tubular acidosis is a medical condition that involves an accumulation of acid in the body due to a failure of the kidney's to appropriately acidify the urine
0: oh my no wonder his dick didn't work are you kidding it's like he's burning from the inside out that sounds so painful and then the like have you it's like a permanent uti natalia like where you're just like pissing blood and like acid trust me i know what this
1: shit is like i suffered from interstitial cystitis this like super rare random uh disorder where like if you eat and drink things that are acidic it like means it hurts you to pee I've lived that life. Yeah. When Usher was like, let it burn. I was like, I feel you. Yeah. (laughs) When he died, they did an autopsy and they showed that he had hydrocephalus, which is the condition in which the accumulation of cerebrospinal fluid occurs within the brain. This typically causes increased pressure inside the skull. So he would have suffered from headaches and just unawareness. And this poor guy was pissing acid he had a fucking swelling going on in his brain he couldn't close his mouth he couldn't think straight he couldn't see straight his eyes literally go different directions like and you said he had a pituitary gland problem
0: as well yes. so it's like his hormones were completely destabilized right like i wonder if he's having mood swings i don't know anything about that condition but it just seems like if your hormones are off as someone who has taken birth
1: control before like holy shit like you're just in a constant state of turmoil he did exactly so he had a bad cases of of depression and mood swings like you said oh and wow by the age of six he had measles chickenpox, rubella and smallpox
0: all of God, which i glad i'm so glad, I'm so glad fa- we have vaccines
1: well yeah all of those things were p- fatal at that time and he survived all of them and his Whew. habsburg jaw was so pronounced that he spoke and ate with difficulty and he didn't learn to talk until the age of four like we talked about however it was mariana who insisted that he be carried everywhere until he was eight and left uneducated to reduce the strain on his body and mind Although prone to illness, contemporaries reported that he spent much of his time hunting. So this Mariana character, she was um, appointed as his regency, which is someone who basically is going to do your kingly duties for you if you are unable to do them. And so she, you know, she says like, oh, we should leave him uneducated and make sure he's carried around everywhere. Um, until he's eight years old also he should just spend his time like outside hunting and stuff while I just like take care of this regency so you know I kind of feel like maybe she was like super stoked to be um, in this position of regency because at the time they didn't let women take on these kingly duties
0: yeah I know that's a really great point I'm also thinking like how dangerous and irresponsible to allow someone with so many brain problems have a gun and go hunting <laughs>
1: are you ready for it to get turned up to 100 by the way yes like i really we're need- at like 88 right now so there's not much more you could tell me to make this go up so i'm excited to see what it is okay so one of the most famous examples of charles alleged mental problems is that he slept with his father's body um what while what? true, this was done under the instructions from Mariana, which was based on advice from doctors that it would help him produce an heir. What?
0: Wait, I'm sorry. His was his dad dead? Yeah. And and then he slept in the same bed as, as his dad in order to make it so that his dick would work.
1: Yeah. But I think that I, I mean I re- seems I, like I don't know. I read it as and I read it as like he had sex with his dad's body. But no.
0: I don't know was his dad alive? I mean that's just a weird way to phrase it. Why not say sleep with your dad and then and then you will but how would he produce a son by fucking his dad?
1: Well, i don't understand you want to hear natalia that's exactly what i thought when i read it so i looked in to see what was happening um in the realm of fertility advice at this time and would you like to hear what some of these infertility treatments were happening at the time
0: oh my god this is going to be the most haunted part of the whole story yes of course i want to hear okay
1: So, basically, to fast forward a little bit, this Mariana, she's the Queen Regent, and um, there's this other guy that comes along, and his name is John, and he's like, we gotta get her the fuck out of here, and she's like, damn it, I can't really do anything about it, and one of, uh, he tries to be like well we got to get Charles to produce an heir so that way that heir can take power or whatever and um Mariana's like whatever look at him that's never going to happen so they try to like that's when they try to get all of these people to come uh marry him and that's when that person was like (laughs) came and checked him out to be like oh this like super wealthy respectful king wants to marry my daughter like let me scope it out and he's like okay yeah yeah he's so ugly (laughs) that it instills fear in me and he also looks (laughs) ill <laughs> so um, they start researching these ways to make a babies, and here is a lovely article that I am going to read to you from EnglishHistoryAuthors.blogspot.com about fertility treatments in. Okay the 17th century at a time when barrenness or infertility was commonly perceived to be the fault of a woman in the 17th century people had rather different ideas about the human body belief in the need to maintain balance or humors in the blood black bile yellow bile and phlegm was still predominant in all medical thinking not surprisingly people's understanding about how conception was achieved was also rather different than it is today both men and women were believed to have seeds, which were released during orgasm, nut, hmm. and mingled in the womb before taking root and growing into a child. It's not too far off. The London preacher, Samuel Huron, firmly believed that barrenness and grace and fruitlessness in holy things would result a want of outward increase or infertility. So he thinks like, if you don't believe in God, then you can't have a baby. It was okay. also commonly held to be a woman's duty to bear children and in doing so, make reparations for the sins of Eve. If she could not Ugh. do so, she was a failure as a woman and lacked God's grace. See,
0: oh my God. Uh, for- I'm triggered. You said people are going to get triggered this episode. I First of all, I made many insensitive comments earlier about this poor man <laughs> who didn't ask to be born in bread. But also, like this just pisses me off, so I'm glad that you brought it up.
1: Yeah, I mean... Because that's haunted. That's super haunted. It seems like a really good insult, though. The next time someone texts me back late, I'm going to be like, you're a failure as a woman and lack God's grace.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even if it's
1: a man? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, then he's definitely I, a failure as a woman. You're, yeah, you're right. Anne Sharp wrote the midwife book which was published in 1671. And she certainly believed that conception was determined by God's will and permission, but she also had some other ideas about why some women conceived and others could not. What do you think those might've been, Alyssa?
0: (sighs) Nothing good. I feel, okay. So you said part of it could be that, that God doesn't like the woman. Another part of it could be that like, if she cheats, she can't conceive or maybe like if her, like bloodline isn't superior i don't know i'm trying to think of like what fucked up shit would they think back then i like maybe they think she has a disease mm. or something or an std mm. or like i don't know what tell me those those,
1: me. those sound all way too logical like you're just trying to use logic here's what they thought. oh wait a witch curse them a witch curse that's them. one of them that's one of them you're correct oh. So this Anne Sharp, this woman who wrote this book that everyone was reading in the 17th century, she dismissed one common theory, which was that couples are barren because they have too much likeness and similitude in their complexions. And she suggested instead that some disproportion of organs or some impediment not easily perceived may be the cause, which isn't too far off from what we have, right? Like it sounds like she's saying, oh, there's something that's off in the body, you know? hatred between but but no but no oh oh hatred between married people she explained was a legitimate problem however particularly were children forced into marriage by their parents so she's basically so wait so if you hate your husband you can't have his child right and also if you're forced into a marriage by your parents therefore hating your husband you also can't have a child Well, this is just all
0: sorts of problematic because then basically this sounds like an argument for rape because it's like, well, but if you have if you got pregnant, then I guess like you love me, you love your rapist or whatever. So She
1: also cautions against bloodletting in the arms of girls before their first period, preferring such girls to be bled from the foot instead to ensure that blood was not drawn down from their bodies before nature intended it she also talked wow and sharp (laughs) she also (laughs) talked of problems of the womb ill health and disease as possible causes of infertility before setting out her last reason which is barrenness by enchantment which you told me in cases yes, where it is great. suspected that a charm may be making a husband unable to lie with his wife sharp recommended that he piss through his wife's wedding ring and not to spill a what? drop and then she shall be perfectly cured. Was so, Anne Sharp the first troll? So, so <laughs> if there was a reason that a man couldn't get it up for his wife or he didn't want to have sex with his wife, all he had to do was take off her wedding ring and piss directly through the center of it. Which I think Wait, is so ironic because that's not going to happen. Like, who has a perfect piss stream that's going to go through a wedding band?
0: Well, also, maybe Anne Sharp invented the first cock ring so that men could hold blood in their wiener for longer and then have sex with their wives that they hated.
1: Okay, so I know this is coming out of left field, but I need your thoughts on this. Does a cock, Is a cock ring supposed to keep you a boner? Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's the whole point of a cock ring. Okay. Here's what I do. If it won't get up, I just take it and I fold it in half so it's double the thickness. Oh, and then the Natalia. one side is like a splint oh, for the other side to hold it up. I'm going to throw
0: up. I'm going <laughs> to fucking throw
1: up. There. Oh, <gasps> you might be throwing up, but a lot of people are right now are like, whoa, this is going to change my life. Okay. <gasps> Given the importance of having children and growing a family, couples that struggled to conceive in the 17th century could easily find advice how to cure their difficulties. However, this is what the advice was. Okay. Dining with friends on July 26, 1664, Samuel Pepys asked the ladies for their advice on he and his wife's childless state. He recorded 10 pieces of advice in his diary. One, do not hug my wife too hard, nor too much. Two. What? Eat no late suppers. Three. Drink the juice of sage. Four. Tent and toast. Five. Wear cool Holland drawers. Six. Keep stomach warm and back cool. Seven. Upon query whether it was best to do at night or morn, they answered me neither one nor the other, but when we had most mind to do it. Eight. Wife not to go too straight-laced. Nine. Nine myself to drink mum ale and sugar 10 to change my place of these he wrote the third fourth sixth seventh and tenth they all seriously did declare and lay must stress upon them as rules fit to be observed indeed and especially the last to lie with our heads where our heels do or at least make the bed high and at feet low in head what do you think of that
0: some of those almost make sense like I forget one of the first ones you said kind of made sense, but the don't one hug
1: your wife too hard or too much.
0: No, but I, I do get pissed off when people like <laughs> restrain me. I don't know if you've ever dated. What is up with? Sometimes you date people that like, I get it. They love you and stuff, but they just won't let you go. Mm. Like you're trying, like, I don't know. You're trying to get up to like, go eat something and they're like, no, like right. come back. And it's like, but I, I have a life to yeah. live. So yeah, that, that might make me not want to bone somebody, but um, Would that make but you unable one...
1: to carry their seed.
0: no no but the part where it said like um don't wear super tight underwear i do remember isn't isn't that something where like it can restrict blood flow or it can restrict yeah but there was one other one what was one of the other first ones keeping your
1: stomach warm and your back cold
0: no there's something Uh, before that drink
1: sage juice eat no late suppers before that um
0: Oh, yeah. I guess if you were super full, maybe you, like, don't want to have sex because it's exercise. Having your
1: wife not be too straight-laced or, like, have too like, be uh, held too tight by her corset, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, that could be. I'm sure that could damage organs, like, having too tight of a corset. Yeah. And then I like the one that's, like, he asks, like, oh, is it better for us to do it at night or in the morning? And they're, like, ah, it doesn't matter. Just do it when you want to. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good advice.
0: You should never be on a schedule. Just, like, do it when you want to do it. Right.
1: So other people had ideas, in particular, this man named William Sermon, who was the author of The Lady's Companion, who wrote that women should try taking white ginger in powdered form or sitting over a bath of water used to boil yarn and mixed with ash or even bathing in the water in which... Ale hoof oaten and peas straw have been boiled together before drying off and letting her husband do his best endeavor Oh that's really sweet let just let your husband do his best It's kind of like a little shade though he's like here take a bath like get relaxed and then just like let your husband try his hardest. Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Another one comes from that same man, Sermon, who was a notorious physician whose 1671 book recommended a bizarre array of cures for infertility, such as drinking wine mixed with hair spittle or mouse ear. Sermon has is said to have decided to study medicine after witnessing a woman give a birth alone in the wood while he was out hair shooting, which may explain why hairs feature so prominently in his cures. He says, take the slime that a hare will have about its mouth when he eateth mallow's and drink it in wine. Two hours after, lie with your husband and fear not, but you will conceive. He, he witnessed
0: a woman giving birth alone in a forest? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I guess that is kind of weird now that I think about That's it. Pretty. That That's sounds like pretty a super lie, weird. right? Like they're like, Oh, yeah. how are you an expert on this? And he's like, Well once I was hunting a rabbit and I saw a woman give birth.
0: Yeah, like, okay, sure you did. He
1: also said, um, you should secretly husbands should secretly feed their wives the womb of a hare. Give to the woman without her knowledge the womb of a hare to eat or okay. burn the same to powder and give it to her and wine to drink. Like this man wants to fuck a rabbit, I think. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to
0: is he's sexually attracted to rabbits. So that's how he gets it up. So then he thinks that's how everyone else is going to get it up.
1: <laughs> he says, take mouse ear three handful." of each ounce and boil them in two quarts of old wine of which drink a small drop every morning i also love how all of these you just put it in wine like he's basically like just get your wife fucked up and she'll let you bang her yeah
0: that's a great point yeah
1: like all the rest of it is just like you know (laughs) stuff to make you feel like it's magic but really he's just like get her drunk (laughs) right tell her to tell that bitch to relax Yeah. So although these remedies might appear bizarre and useless by our modern medicinal standards, advice such as sermons would have been widely distributed and followed. And did you know that this fucking guy that's saying like, oh, you should do all this shit with a bunny rabbit? He, Cambridge University awarded William Sermon a doctorate of medicine in 1669 after he set up a thriving practice in Bristol following an outbreak of the bubonic plague. Haunted. Cambridge. Like, that's like super important place yeah
0: it's like a super prestigious school right and then he set up you think they'd have good advice he
1: set up a a thriving practice after an outbreak of the bubonic plague like this man was the ultimate scammer And there's a historian that says he was definitely something of a self-publicist. He was quite well-known at the time because he very much made sure he was well-known. He never missed an opportunity to market himself. And he had these famous pills, which he said on the front of his book would cure the dropsy, scurvy, and all other sharp, salt, and watery humors. He also said that women might powder the umbilical cord and drink it in wine he also said take very old cloves and bayberries pimpernacle and the lesser sort of mouse ear one handful of mouse ear to be (laughs) this (laughs) man loves
0: mouse ears where the
1: fuck are you just gonna get a handful of mouse ear
0: well also what a waste of a mouse so you're just gonna like kill it and then chop i don't know you know what i mean like what are you doing with the rest of the mouse? what do you
1: guess you do with all of the shit he tells you to where do you think you put it in wine in wine, yeah.
0: yeah. I, a hundred, in alcohol. And
1: yeah, all of these are like, I don't even have to go through all of them, but I'm, I'm going to just because they're so ridiculous. Okay, here's one. Uh-huh. Take catnip, mugwort, and aringo roots, boil them in white wine, and drink it first, and last a small quantity thereof, <laughs> mix with one dram of typhura magna, which is a herb, okay. made without opium for nine days together, and then eat every morning one newly laid egg, 28 days together (laughs) but let the eggs be taken from such hens that have had no cock for that time go with them and then take essence of an orchid from a scruple to a dram and a glass of wine (laughs) okay
0: new idea this man was sponsored by wine (laughs) (laughs) like this is all a scam he was getting like a nice little like cut on the side of all of these wine sales from whatever local winery there was they're like hey if you just say that if they drink wine they can get pregnant like we'll we'll give you a, a cut of our sales uh
1: last one here he says take the navel string which is a gross way to say umbilical cord Take oh. take the navel string oh. of a boy that no. is the firstborn, which hath no. not touched the ground yet, no. being well dried. Then beat it to a powder, and guess drink it with wine. Yes. This
0: man is sponsored by wine mouse ears. <laughs>
1: And, if someone's gonna fucking and, tell me to boil it or eat a navel string and um like get a handful uh, that of that makes me want to throw up I'm gonna need copious amounts of wine
0: yeah I don't know what you could do to me to get me to eat an umbilical cord and calling it a navel string is the most <laughs> cringy thing I have ever heard I hate it when you said navel string I was like oh like a navel orange you know like the stringy things when you like peel an orange <laughs> no wow no so As you can guess,
1: this man's, uh, you know, legacy did not really go on. Because after, I'm talking about Charles, of course, the guy with the Mm -hmm. Habsburg jaw. After his regent died, um, Mariana, the girl who was like, oh, he needs to be carried around. Like his feet can't touch the ground until he's eight years old. And also like he should spend all of his time hunting and we shouldn't educate him because that's going to stress him out. She died in 1689. And then Charles married Maria Anna, who was one of the 12 children of Philip. And... Although she was partly selected because her family was famous for its fertility, she proved no more successful in producing an heir than her predecessor. By this stage, Charles was almost certainly impotent, and his autopsy revealed that he had only one atrophied testicle. As the Crown of Spain passed according to Cognatic Primogeniture, which is basically it just goes to whoever's, like, bloodline, um, it was possible... It was possible for a woman or the descendant of a woman to inherit the crown. And this enabled Charles' sister, Maria Teresa, to prevent Spain's acquisition by France. Maria renounced her inheritance right. In return, Louis was promised a dowry of 500,000 gold, ec ecus, a huge sum that was never paid. So basically what that means is everyone's freaking out because Charles can't have an heir. So then his sister was like, you know what? We're going to um, renounce our right to the throne. And instead, oh. give it to our offspring from these other marriages, so that Spain can't have it because they want to keep the power within their family, even though it's not necessarily the you know uh, their actual blood like family, whatever. Mm-hmm. So, and then they uh, did that, and the person who was going to marry them was promised a dowry of five hundred thousand gold eqs, and then he was never paid. So they're like, marry our fucking fucked up children. And you can (laughs) come into power and then he's like, Okay, fine and then they and they're like, Okay, also we'll give you a bunch of gold and he's like, Okay, I'll do it for the gold and then they just never paid him. (laughs) It sounds like a family of scam artists. Yeah, it is. It's a scam um and so finally when Charles dies a bunch of stuff happens a bunch of wars happen it's like not that interesting and you guys don't care that much basically long story short Charles is trying to make an heir. a bunch of wars happen powers getting separated bad vibes all around and he eventually dies and his autopsy records that his body quote did not contain a single drop of blood His heart was the size of a peppercorn. His lungs were corroded. His intestines rotten and gangrenous. And he had a single testicle, black as coal. And his head was full of water. As previously we suggested, these are indicative of hydrocephalus, which was the fluid in his brain, which is a disease often associated with childhood measles, one of the illnesses that was suffered early on by Charles. Now, the moment that I'm going to end this all on is... You would think like, ew, that's fucked up, whatever, but it's also the seventeenth century. Like, we're not that surprised, you know? Like anytime we talk about yeah. the seventeenth century, it's also it's always a bunch of backwards, like fucked up shit. Yeah, they didn't realize it was bad to inbreed. So, do you think there's any descendants from the Habsburgs empire around today?
0: I wanna say no just because they'd be so messed up, I feel like, since there was so much inbreeding going on, but I'm gonna say yes because I kind of hope there is, because maybe they're magical and are doing something cool wait a
1: second magical was not the route that i thought you were that that i would have assumed after just hearing this story oh. um the fact that you take away that it's magical though is very it's it's very positive of you so thanks yes There are descendants from the Habsburg Empire around today. While originally all members of the dynasty were prohibited from even entering Austria after the abdication of Emperor Karl in 1918, in 2011 Otto von Habsburg received a funeral in Vienna attended by several thousands, including many dignitaries of the Austrian Republic. This seems very likely that the dynasty will survive for a long time, mostly due to its rigid standpoint on marriage. The Habsburg family statue of 1839 is technically still intact, and this statue decrees that in order to ensure our archhouse's dignity and serenity for now and forever, members of the family are only allowed to marry members of Catholic dynasties, which at least at some point might have reigned a sovereign nation. This list isn't growing much larger, and right now, members of the family can only choose their spouses out of 42 families. Though there is no law that compels them to stick to the family tradition, all those who marry commoners are disinherited, and at least under Otto of Habsburg, this practice was rigidly practiced, with one notable exception. Otto's oldest son and current head of the house Carl of Habsburg, was permitted to marry a commoner for the one very convincing reason. The lady in question was Francesca Thyssen, the heiress to not a kingdom, but a billion dollar fortune.
0: <laughs> of course. There's always exceptions for billionaires.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I hear that whole story about this Habsburg family and they're all like marrying each other and fucking each other and it's gross and weird. And also everyone's like, if you want to have an heir, uh, randoms are like eat a bunch of mouse ears and wine but right this is today you know this funeral for Otto von Habsburg was in 2011 and that's not long ago at all not long ago at all and there's only 42 families of which their spouses can marry and if they don't marry some of those people they like lose their rights to their fortune and all of that you know power and wealth that comes with it so 42 is not a lot. This could lead back to some, you know, some gross stuff happening here in the next two generations.
0: Well, hopefully there's enough billionaires in the area that want to marry into a royal bloodline Mm -hmm. that maybe it'll create some more
1: genetic diversity because that's really the only way they can be saved. In order for us not to all just be horribly deformed and have tons of birth defects, (laughs) we need to have a steady supply of billionaires to fuck.
0: Yeah. uh Uh-huh. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So pretty haunted i would say
0: yeah that's super haunted yeah i think um the most haunted stuff out of everything you just said uh well first of all like fucking a family member is pretty haunted um but also <laughs> all of the like fucked up ideas about fertility and like how to make yourself more fertile or how to make yourself have a child or how to make yourself want to have sex with someone you hate yeah. like
1: that's all super haunted. super haunted right i'm not gonna wear yeah. loose drawers for nobody
0: yeah exactly i don't wear no drawers
1: the reason i chose this story is just because um i found it to be particularly like there's something under there that i don't know what it is you know like you think like people who try to guard this much power it's got to be something other than just like wealth right like you wouldn't fuck your dad or your sister or whatever to just have a bunch of land and castles there's got to like they've got to be protecting some sort of secret amulet or something right
0: yeah maybe hey that's a good hypothesis I wonder if you know you were saying that there's like family treasure or something like family fortune maybe some of those relics that they're hiding are magical I just think that there's magic somewhere in here I don't because you're right what would make you want to fuck your uncle (laughs) like nothing you could not pay me any amount of money in the world (laughs) so there has to be some like magic associated with
1: this right and that's truly what we are about here on let's get yeah (laughs) We do
0: not endorse fucking your family.
1: Yeah, I'm not. A, but we do endorse magic. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe they weren't related. Maybe we all thought they were related, but maybe it was more like um, in Twilight, you know, how like all the vampires were like in a family, but they weren't actually in a family. They were just all vampires and they were dating each other. And it was easier for them to say oh. that they were brothers and sisters rather than their like wives and husbands.
0: Is that what that was all about? Yeah. So like in Twilight, it was that. So that family,
1: Edward's family or whatever, they they weren't like related to each other. They were all different vampires that were like in a relationship
0: together. Oh, oh, weird. Like a vampire
1: orgy. Yeah. Well. Because I watched Twilight recently And I made that discovery I like just kind of glossed over it When I was Mm -hmm. younger And had seen the movie But there's Anna Kendrick's in that And there's one point Where she's like Explaining to Whatever the fuck What's the girl's name The main girl Catherine I don't know
0: Oh, Bella, Bella. She's, Bella. Yeah,
1: she's explaining to Bella, like, the deal with that family. She's like, Bella's like, what's the deal with, like, that family of, like, that hot guy? And she's like, oh, those people, like, don't even try. Like, I've tried to fuck them and they won't. And um, also they're, like, all having sex together. And then it shows them, like, holding hands and being weird But we come to find out later that it's not their brother and sister. It's their weird dad like adopted all of them as like a vegetarian vampire family. You know what? Read the fucking book, Alyssa.
0: Okay, (laughs) you're right. I need to go out and buy Twilight. And what better use of my time on quarantine than
1: reading Twilight? Well, I'm super glad to have educated all of you guys.
0: Yes. Thank you so much, Natalia. Now I feel super haunted and uncomfortable. Um, Navel strings. Uh that's gonna never leave mm-hmm. my mind and I don't like it. You're Thank so you. welcome.
1: Yeah. Would you like to do our sign off today?
0: BRB, gotta go make my husband piss through my wedding ring so that he can get a boner. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: My sources for this episode are Cora.com stuttgartsteps.com, Wikipedia All That's